now comes the exciting part. We get to turn to uh, the Lord's Word and look within it and see what He has to say for us, to us today. Amen? So I invite you to take your copy of God's Word. We will be again this Sunday in um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1, I know I'm telling you to do one thing, but I'm asking you to listen to another, but that, that's okay. You're, you're people who can multitask, right? I don't know, multitasking doesn't really work. But I want to give you some homework, if you will. Um, for this week, I encourage you to go and to read, maybe once or maybe a few times, read Psalm 20. Next week will be the last uh, Sunday of the month, so we will be looking at Psalm 20. So I just encourage you to begin reading that as I'm reading and studying that as well. And pray that God will use our time together as we study Psalm 20 next week to uh, speak truth into our hearts and lives. And that we may be able to apply it in such a time as this. So I'd like for you as we continue to uh, look this morning at uh, 2 Timothy, I, I wrote down this question as I'm thinking through some other things. And, you know, if you were to write a letter to someone who was younger than you, what would you say? You know, that, that's really, in essence, what we see uh, in First and Second Timothy. is Paul is writing to this young man in the ministry who's coming behind him, and he's trying to encourage him. And so this morning as we begin, I, I just want to ask you this question. Why do we have security systems? Why do we have security systems? We have security systems to protect the things which we value, that are valuable to us. And so I began to make that uh, note as I was studying and preparing for this week. And lo and behold, on Friday, no, Thursday evening, the Lord gave me an illustration that I could use today, right? I love it when God does that. When you're studying, it's like, okay, God, I mean, I did. I wrote in my notes and I was like, home security system. We have it to alert you of intruders. And so I began to just, I was mulling that over. Well, that evening, I think it was either that evening or the next evening, we get a call from the alarm company. Kendall's boss was is out of town and, and we get a call from the alarm company saying that the alarm is going off at the pregnancy center where Kendall works. They don't know what it is. It's throwing some code they don't know, and they need us to go check it out. And so I'm home with the boys, so Kendall and Katie and Jalen, uh, Katie's boyfriend, they hop in the car, and they go down there. And I said, well, you call me, you know, and I stay on the phone with me. And so they opened the door, and Kendall said as soon as they opened the door, they were hit with an intense heat. I mean, it just hits you in your face. And so they walked in and they touched the walls. They were looking at everything. They couldn't figure out what was going on. The thermostat on the wall was reading 99 degrees. Now, she had just left there probably about, what, five, six hours, four, five, six hours earlier when she had gotten off work. And so she walked in there, and I'm thinking, y'all, it's hot. Like, why did you go? Why are you? And, like, Katie, Katie's pretty wise to be a young lady. She's like, Mama's in there trying to figure out what's going on. She needs to get out. I'm like, yeah, something might blow up or catch on fire. I'm like, what? She And she's pillaging around. Anyway, long story short, had to call the police department, had to call the, the who then called the fire department, and had to call the HVAC people. The HVAC people never came. They cut it off. They never could figure out what was going on. The firefighter had a, a thermal little device, and he said in one of the corners, the temperature at that time, which it had begun to cool off because they had closed the doors, was like 110, 115. And so anyway, they cut everything off. But 
you'll see here in a few minutes, I think the correlation of this notion of a security system and what Paul is trying to teach us this morning, because we protect that which we value. So I want you to look with me this morning in verses 13 through 14, and today's message is entitled, Guard It. Guard It. So look with me. You'll find these similar words. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Father God, I pray now as we've opened your word, that you open our hearts and our minds, that that we might see what it is each of us need to see today. And I pray it's through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that you will speak to each and every heart and mind that is gathered under the sound of my voice, that they may see you more clearly, but Lord, more importantly, that your Holy Spirit may help us to be obedient to what you are calling us to do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so we see as we begin to start this verse this morning that Paul says, follow the pattern. Or you might say, hold fast. In essence, Paul is reminding Timothy, he's reminding us that we must commit ourselves to a matter of transcendent importance. And what is that important matter? It is the gospel. And we should allow it to saturate our lives and we should go out and we should share it. We should allow it to transform us because friends, you can't share a gospel that you haven't lived. You can't, you can't share something that you haven't lived. And a lot of times I think as we think this morning, as we were talking about our prayer matters, you think about it, how um, obnoxious, it's not really maybe the word that I want to use, but how uh, unnerving or uh, unempathetic does it seem sometimes when you say people, well, I know what you're going through. D- do you really? Do, do you really? Now, now, sometimes you do. Amen. Praise God. You have been through those things. And as I've told you over, over again, as second Corinthians tells us, God has comforted us so that we may comfort others, right? We're, we're there. We're to be in the trenches together because you're not alone. And so you might think that you're the only one that's ever experienced this or ever struggled with that sin or ever dealt with this deal or ever had a nut in your family that just drives you up the wall, right? You're not alone. And so he's saying that we are to hold fast that which is of utmost importance, which is the gospel. And so he says, hold fast the pattern of the sound words that I, that you have heard. So what is the pattern? See, Paul, as he's teaching Timothy, and Timothy knows because he has a personal relationship with Paul, Paul considered his life and teaching worthy of imitation. One of my favorite verses in scripture that just one time nailed me right between the eyes was where Paul says, and it's really the ending of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and that's why sometimes when you read scripture, we have scripture references that help us to find there, but we cannot... I want to remind you that that was only introduced several hundred years ago, right? You're reading letters that were written. And so really, this verse that I'm about to share with you is a completion of a thought from the end of chapter 10. We make it the beginning of chapter 11, but it's really kind of the completion of chapter 10 where Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And as you've heard me probably share time and time again from this pulpit, that if there's ever a verse that we should have on our bathroom mirrors especially, 
Because where? Well, that's probably the first thing and one of the last things we see as we begin and end our day is that verse. Because that is the litmus test of how we're to live our lives. At the, as you go through your day and as you end your day and you look back on the day that you've lived, is your life worthy of imitation? If, if someone was to imitate your life, would they be imitating Jesus or would they be imitating the world? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 4 verse 9. He says, what you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, Paul isn't interested in what Timothy says, but how he lives his faith out. We are to exercise our faith. So follow the pattern of the sound words. What are sound words? Here Paul is talking about the teaching and the doctrine that Timothy had heard. So again, I ask you, another Sunday comes and another week has gone by. Do you know what you believe and why? Are you following the pattern of someone's life who's worthy of imitating? We're to imitate Christ, but we're to look to people in our lives that are Christ in, who, who Christ shines through. And we're to imitate what they do. And so I also ask you, if you know what you believe, can you defend it? And can you do so humbly? And you might say, well, Chris, well, why, why are you telling me those things? Why does that, why are you calling our attention to that? Because in 1 Peter 3.15, we're told, in your hearts, honor Christ as holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see, we're not to go out and browbeat people and beat people over the head with scripture. But you know what? Think about it this way. If we really say what we believe, that we believe that it's Christ and Christ alone and through it's his, through his shed blood that we have salvation, that we have eternal life in heaven, that that's where our hope comes from, then why don't we live that out? And if we would simply live that out in our lives, if we would ask for forgiveness when we have maybe overreacted or maybe we've let our anger get the best of us, maybe we've yelled, maybe we've said things we shouldn't have, maybe we've reacted in a way that we shouldn't have, if we will live a life of humility and, and going into situations and learning that anyone can, a humble person can learn from anybody. I think we need to remember that today. And I heard that statement a long time ago, and I have to remind myself that. Because sometimes you walk into a situation and you're like, who are they and what are they going to teach me? But remember that a humble person can learn from anybody. So we are to do it with gentleness and respect. And I think if we were to live a life that was where we were imitating Christ... People would see that. They would notice there was a difference about us and they would want to know more. But I think we've gotten so far gone from living a life seeking Christ to where we've really become, we've made the gospel, we've made church about something else and it's not worthy of imitation. 
But if we will put Christ and Christ alone at the center of what we do, then that is worthy of invitation. People will see that in our actions. They will see that in our reactions. And it will be something that not that we are drawing them, but the Father is drawing them to himself through us as a vessel that he can use. You see, friends, living a life of faith means living a life of devotion to Christ, to his word, and to his church. We must seek him first. We must be a student. We must be a student of God's word. We throw around the word disciple a whole lot, but in essence, that's what we're to be. We're to be a student of God's word. And just this week, actually it was yesterday morning, I was reading from uh, the morning and evening devotional, I think, which was written by Spurgeon. And he said this, he said, scripture is an never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Listen, it is the bank of heaven and you may with, you may draw from it as much as you please. So you think about that with scripture. We, we have a copy of God's love letter written to us. We have a book of truth. We have something that has stood the test of time, that it is the world's bestseller, but unfortunately it is the world's least read and least applied. But if you will simply, as Spurgeon is reminding us, if you will simply open it up, it is the bank of heaven and you can draw from it as much as you please. Get into God's word and allow God's word to get into you, to saturate your heart and to saturate your mind. And what's one of the ways that you can do that? Very simply, today is September the 20th. Turn to Proverbs. There are typically 30 to 31 days in a month. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's the next step. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20 and read the Proverbs. Another thing that you can do is you can open your Bible and one of the ways that I've done, and maybe you don't do it every day and that's okay too, but begin to try to develop that habit. Open to the Psalms. Read Psalm 1 and put a little check out by the title of that Psalm so that you know where you were before. And then the next day, pick up and read Psalm 2. Right? Those are next steps. Those are actionable things. Because why? Because as you read those, are you going to understand everything that you read? No, not necessarily. But praise God, I don't know about you, but I stand before you this morning can testify that when we do, he will give you a nugget of truth. If you seek his word, looking for truth, looking for hope, and that is your approach, and you ask him and say, Lord, will you open my eyes? Help me to see something today. He will help you to see something. He will give you a nugget of truth, but you must go there. It is the bank of heaven. It is open all the time. Seek it, and you may withdraw from it as much as you please. So Paul says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, you can't see my notes this morning, but if you could, I underline faith and I underline love and under that... I underline Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And I drew a line to that. Those are inseparable. Those are inseparable. And so do you want to grow in your faith? Exercise it. You know, I mean, you think about it. Like in general, if you want to run a a marathon, and most of y'all are probably thinking that ain't in my bucket list, and that's okay. But, you know, typically if we weren't in the coronavirus, we, a perfect example, if you want to try to get a little bit healthier, there's usually a turkey trot on Thanksgiving, right? So that you can burn a few more calories because the Lord knows you're going to consume them. There's the turkey trot at the YMCA. 
And there are apps out there that will help you that are basically a couch to 5K. They will help you train and they will help you learn how to run the race. And so why do I share that with you this morning? Because just like there's that app of those next steps and those little steps that you can take in your physical journey with your physical help, there are also, as I told you a few minutes ago about Psalms and Proverbs, there are next steps that you can take within your spiritual journey as well. Because as Paul tells us, you know, bodily training is of some good, but spiritual training is of the best, right? I I just probably butchered that paraphrase, but that was what he was making. He's making, you know, so many people get focused on their body and physical training, but they forget their spiritual training. So don't forget that. And Paul is reminding us here that if we're going to hold fast, if we're going to be committed in our faith journeys, then we must do through must do so through the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Then he begins this next sentence and he says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So I want to, I want to just stop there and I want to remind you as we see this, it's by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, what, who dwells within us. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, then The Holy Spirit dwells within you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. We must not forget that. So it's by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We are to guard. We're to protect it. As I said, guard it. That's today's sermon title. Guard it. What are we to guard? We're to guard the good deposit. We're to guard that treasure, that precious truth. We're to guard the good news of salvation through a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. We are to guard it. J. Vernon McGee notes an important truth about this verse. He says, the Christian life can only be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it is not in your works. As I mentioned before, it is Christ and Christ alone. And that is what it is about. But if we're going to live a victorious life, if we're going to live a life that God has called us to live, then we are going to have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that begins in prayer. Just like we have a copy of God's love letter to us. And let me pause there because I meant to mention this a minute ago. If you don't have a decent Bible of your own, whether you're on the phone or you're in here in person or you know somebody in your circle of influence, you come and find me and we will get them a Bible. Now, we're not going to get them a Bible like there was one lady uh, one time when I worked at the Olive Tree. Uh, she came in and uh, she had a student that was at a school and they had to buy Bibles. And I think she taught at the school maybe or she was one of the grandparents, volunteered or something. And she came in and the the children had to have a Bible. And so the parents, for whatever reason... Because Bibles are expensive, they went to the Dollar General or Dollar Tree and they got them a Bible and they brought it to class. And as soon as they got ready for their lesson and they opened their Bible up, the cover fell off. Friends, we don't want to give people a Bible that's going to fall apart. Amen? You can take, I mean, I'll help you find it. I got some laying in my office that I buy just for that. The point of that matter is, if you don't have a good Bible or you got somebody in your circle of influence doesn't have a good Bible, invest in their lives. Buy them a Bible. Come to me. I'll help you find one. There's ways to find them on sale. There's some that I have for free. But get them a copy of God's Word in front of them. Because that's what you're, it's going to have to start in prayer, but it's also going to have to be lived out seeking the Lord through His Word. 
we must remember that it's the spirit work, it's the spirit's work in our lives to keep us obedient to the gospel. That's what the spirit is there to do. It's to call us to repentance and it's to call us to be obedient to what God's called us to do. And sometimes we can grieve the spirit by not doing what God has called us to do. But then we see in this verse, we see by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That, my friends, is our key word this morning. It means to protect from loss or damage. That's what this word means, that we're to protect. As I've already told you this morning, as we thought, as we talked about security systems, we protect that which we value. Do you value your relationship with Jesus? Do you value your salvation? And you say, well, of course I do. But do you have those things in your life set up that they are spiritual triggers, just like a security system that will help you know when something is awry? As Paul closes out his first letter to young Timothy, in, in um, 1 Timothy is chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, he tells him, O Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Can I, can I stop and, and pause there for a minute as I think about the contradictions and babble and, and, and who, people who get caught up in knowledge. I have an uncle. His name is Terry. And I asked for you to pray for him. Terry grew up in a Christian home and professed Christ. He went to probably one of the best theological seminaries uh, that there is, New Orleans Baptist uh, Theological Seminary. He got his doctorate in theology. He's a brilliant mind. But Terry has no give. Everything is black and white. Terry got, he did get burned at his first church. There was an issue that came up and he took a stance on and it was too much too soon, I guess. And him being no give, he was burned. He was burned out. So he went from being, uh, someone who had his doctorate in theology to someone who says, okay, well, I don't believe exactly what you believe. I now proclaim myself to be a Unitarian Universalist, which is an all-encompassing, you know, all go to heaven. There's no, there's no hell, et cetera, I guess. I don't know that. I've necessarily studied that. But now he's gone so far that he proclaims to be a Buddhist. And so you think about that, and I think about Terry because he has no give. And sometimes in our faith, we can get so caught up in having to know everything and know certain things and, and not being able to allow the Spirit to work and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you in that. And, and, and I'm going to trust you with what I know and seen you do. And so pray for people like that who have gone so far to where the, the, they are just, they're confused. And they, and they walk away from the faith. It happens. And it's sad. But we must not keep, we, we, we have to keep praying for them. We have to keep praying that maybe some way, somehow, that the Lord will open their eyes or send someone into their life or that they will have something that they experience that they have to turn to Him. And they realize the errors of their way. I like how the Amplified Version uh, gave us the essence of the verse that I just read from 1 Timothy. It says, Turn away from worldly and godless chatter with its profane and empty words and the contradictions 
of what is so falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and by doing so have erred, they've missed the mark and strayed from the faith. As we're studying what Paul is writing in his second letter, hear what he's saying. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Paul's life is worthy of invitation, and he is calling us this morning as we study this letter to Timothy. He's calling us to persevere. He's calling us to protect that in which we have been given. And he's reminding Timothy, he's reminding us that we must protect ourselves from false teachers. See, friends, it is a reminder to us that we must be careful who we read and who we listen to. Because not every preacher, not every author has your best interest in mind. They're making much of the wrong kingdom. They're making much of their kingdom and not the Lord's. So can I just encourage you, be careful who you read. Be careful who you listen to. You have the job. Uh, uh, Scripture tells us that we're to study to show ourselves approved. That we're to see if what this man or or woman who is, is teaching us, what they, is what they are teaching, does it line up with Scripture? Is it in line with what God says? And I also remind you this morning that as I was reading and as I was studying, this was mainly to me, but I want to give you insight because Paul's writing to Timothy, who is another minister, a co-laborer in the gospel. And it's a reminder to ministers, but a reminder to you as, as, uh, as congregants, as people in the congregation, that pastoral ministry involves confrontation. It involves confrontation with love. That sometimes as people err, as sometimes people stray, that you have to, that I must share the truth. And sometimes we don't necessarily want to hear the truth because we think our way is the right way. But what is God's way? What does God say? What does God want? And then we see that Paul says that we're to guard what? We're to guard the good deposit. That good deposit is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. It is a reminder that we simply, you take those six words and that is the gospel in its essence. But what what has God done in your life? Share that. And in your story, there should be that, hey, I, I was going through a rough spot and here's what I was struggling with. Or here was the sin that I was deep in the miry pit. And then I met Jesus. And here's what I do now. Who were you? How did you meet Jesus? And who are you now? Share that. Find tools, find ways to share And can I remind you this morning that this good deposit, the gospel that we're to share, it's to take the message to the whole earth. And it starts next door. It starts in our circle. 
See, you see, friends, so for far too long, and I think we're kind of seeing the crumbling, we're seeing the cracks that are beginning to show. For far too long, it's been somebody else's responsibility. But it's ours. It's each of ours. As I heard so eloquently put one time, I don't even know where I heard it, but it said, don't come across the seas if you want to go across the street. Far too often we want to go on a mission trip and we want to go to a third world country and we want to show up and we want to take selfies of us serving indigent people and, and, and serving and loving them. But what about the person across the street? What about your neighbor? And you know, that's not just something we struggle with in 2020. It's something they struggle with in scripture because they ask Jesus, well, who, who is my neighbor? Right, because they wanted to be like, hey, not for me. Who, who's my neighbor? It's those that you meet. It's those that God places in your path. You see, Paul is urging Timothy, he's urging us to pass his teaching along to others. As I asked you this morning, as I was writing that note out this morning for something else that I'm probably going to preach and teach soon, is if you were to write a letter to someone coming behind you, what would you say? What wisdom would you want to impart to them? Paul is imparting this wisdom to Timothy, who is thus imparting it to us some 2,000 years later. You see, Paul reminds Timothy again in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If, if my notes were handwritten this morning, I would have an asterisk beside that. Because that verse right there is, is kind of my heart's desire right now. And what you've heard in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Why do I put an asterisk beside that? Because here's why. If there comes a day that maybe when God calls me elsewhere, God calls me home, or I'm sick, I need to be out, I'm on vacation... We should be, I should be, raising up men, raising up you guys, so that if I'm not here, that someone else can step in. Again, it's not somebody, it's not, it's not the responsibility of just me. You have a responsibility to study scripture yourself. And that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a ministry to where I'm training up people and I'm, I'm giving it to faithful men who can teach others also. So that if God takes me out, if God moves me on, that those people just step up. It's not that we have to invite people in to preach and teach in my absence, whether I'm sick or whether I'm on vacation, but we raise them up within our own, that that's what we're to be about. And here's the thing we also have to catch a glimpse of. And this is really like, sorry, I'm going from preaching to meddling for a minute. But not only are we to raise them up, but we're to send them out. We can't just hold on to people. So there's got to be, and what does that come? That comes through a discipleship process. That comes, and it's not just from Sunday morning. It's it's meeting together one-on-one. It's meeting together in smaller settings, in smaller groups. And it's investing in each other's lives. And it's helping somebody else. As I look back there, and I wish I could remember the name. Hold on, I'm going to press pause. All right, well, one, it was Mr. Bob Parton. 
And so for 48 years, he taught a Bible class. Do you think somewhere in that 48 years that he trained up other men who would be faithful to carry on the message that he was preaching and teaching? Yes. He was faithful and he was committed. And as I sat back there and I thought about that, 48 years. There are other men in this town. Oh, Dan Barber, if I'm not mistaken, Dan Barber's father, he, for years, probably still does, for years would go to the fire department and hold Sunday school at the fire department. You see, friends, that's what God is calling us to do. It's not about just getting people to this building, but it's about us finding and being filled with the Spirit, being taught and taking that to other people. Just like Mr. Barber, those firemen, they can't come and they can't join us on Sunday morning, so you know what? He went to them. That's what we're called to do. We're called to go. We're not just called to go overseas. We're called to to affect our community. We're called to take the gospel to our community. Timothy was in a time of transition in his life and ministry. And Paul was reminding him and he's reminding us that everything he needed, it would be there if he would hold tightly to the Lord and his resources. Our responsibility is to guard it. We must protect our faith. So I want to ask you about this. How do you apply a sermon such as this today? Well, I encourage you to look back at your experience. Look back at your experiences. Who is the foundation of your faith? Who is the foundation of your faith? And once you know who, not what, but who is the foundation of your faith, begin to build on that foundation. And I know, because I've heard it from some of y'all, you're tired. Build on that foundation. You might not be able to go out and lift center blocks to build something physically, but you can pray. You can write a note to encourage someone and drop it in the mail. You can pick up the phone and call and check on somebody. You can run somebody a a freshly baked sweet and say, hey, I just want to remind you, I love you, Jesus loves you, and we can't be together right now, but I hope you enjoy this labor of love. God has gifted me to bake, and I want to bless you with that. What gifts has the Spirit given you? Use them. We talked this morning about that security system. Friends, we must protect what God has given us. And we need sensors to guard against certain things. We need sensors in our lives. We need spirit, we need to know when there are spiritual intrusions. And what are some spiritual intruders in our life? False teachers and sin. Those are two that come to mind. False teachers and sin. But the church, listen church, this is all of you as a whole. We've talked about you as an individual, but let's talk about it as the church. The church must not become so innovative and up to date that we forget our foundation. 
But the church must also guard the message it has inherited. The methods might change, but the method, the message never does. The method might change, but the message never does. So friends, I ask you this morning, I want to remind you, sin, false teachers, and doubting men, don't yield. Protect. You guard what's most valuable to you. You guard what you value. Amen, let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning for Paul. I thank you for his love of the gospel. And I thank you for his letter that he wrote to his young protege, Timothy. Lord, reminding him to protect that which would had been entrusted to him. Father, I pray now that we would, that this scripture would just jump off of, out of the page and into our heart. And that we may realize that as someone who is, and hopefully we have, Lord, if, if we've confessed our sins, we've turned to you. We're a child of God, Lord. We have been entrusted with the gospel message to take it to the ends of the earth, to our circles, to our families, to our friends. Father, help us to guard what you've given us. But God, help us not to guard it so closely that we don't share it, that we don't learn from others. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's one here who has never trusted in you, put their faith, hope, and trust in you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that they would just send me a text or give me a call and and give me the opportunity to pray with them and to celebrate with them as heaven would celebrate another sinner turning to repentance, coming home to where they should be. Father, I pray that you would keep us close to the cross as we leave this week. Lord, I pray as we wrote in our bulletin, Lord, that we would warn those who are lazy, that we would encourage those who are timid, that we would take care of those who are weak. Lord, most importantly, that we would be patient with everyone and live peacefully with one another. Father, these things we ask in your holy and precious name.